Everybody, morning. Um, it's funny that Judith mentioned that I would describe myself as the big lad in the country. Um, in the original dialect, it's actually um, the big same for the tune. Uh, but that's not shite or appropriate, so we had to change it slightly. Um, well, thanks very much for coming to, to hear my story. And um, it's funny, you know, up until this point, I never really would have said that I had much of a story to tell or much to tell about myself. But when I actually sat down and um, tried to put some things on paper, you soon realised that you've got more to tell about yourself than you first would have thought. Um, my story is quite plain compared to, to some others, um, but it's still a story of how God has changed my life and is still changing my life. And, and I hope that you find it in some way beneficial. So... I get started, and I suppose the place to start any story is, is at the very beginning. And if you haven't figured out by now from this culture accent that I'm rocking, uh, it's my beginning did not come about on the Shankle Road. My beginning came about a few miles up the road in a town called Balamoni. And I was born and raised in Balamoni, and I was born on the 6th of February 1990. Um, six minutes after my twin brother, uh, so that's maybe something that you didn't know about me, um, and that is that I am an identical twin. And I'm sure my mum would say it's a real blessing to have twins, but if you asked her, she definitely wouldn't recommend it to you. Um, and there, there was five of us in our house. There was my mum, my dad, my older sister Ruth, my brother Jonathan, and then me. And I have very fond memories of growing up. Um, I had a very happy childhood and a very big part of my childhood was church and from I was no age at all I can remember my, my parents taking me along to church every Sunday and my folks didn't just believe that going to church was a good thing to be done they believed and trusted in Jesus and wanted the same for us and as I grew up and went to different things in the church like kids club on a Friday night and Sunday school on a Sunday morning, I would hear the same things being spoken about consistently. That God created the world, that man sinned, that God sent his son, um, about Jesus' death on the cross, um, and about how he rose again, and about my need to be saved from my sins. And these same things were, were being talked about over and over again, almost like people were trying to tell me that I needed to do something, almost like I had to do something with this information I was being given. But here was the first problem that I had, um, that I thought because my parents were Christians, that because they believed and because they prayed, that that made me all right. And all the way through my childhood, I was under the illusion that I was a Christian because my parents were Christians. I didn't understand that you cannot be right before God by being a passenger on the back of someone else's faith. And it was when I went to secondary school uh, that I became more and more distant from church and from God because I desperately wanted to fit in wherever I went to school. And to be recognised as someone who went to church or who talked about Jesus, it was like painting a target on your back. People thought that there was something wrong with you. So to be accepted with the group of friends that I had in school, I started to talk like them, I started to act like them, I started to change who I was, I started to try and fit into a mould, the same mould that the guys in school were in. 
So I started to swear. I started to take God's name in vain. Whatever the crowd was doing, that's what I was doing. And there was a problem with this. Was that I couldn't be that person whenever I went home. I couldn't be that person when I went to church on a Sunday. So I let people at home and at church assume that I was a Christian. I acted like I was a Christian. And at the youth activities and at church, I let on that I was, I was a Christian. I was saved. I was saying and doing all the right things. And then during the week, I was just one of the lads. I was part of the crowd. And I had the assumption that I was only young and that there was plenty of time for me to worry about that sort of stuff. And again, I was all right, I thought. But there's only so long that you can pretend to be something that you're not. And it got to the stage that I was tired of putting on a front. I couldn't act anymore. Um, So I went to our pastor in the church at that time, and I told him that I didn't want to be a part of the church anymore. I told him that I didn't want to be a Christian, because I couldn't put on that front. Um, church and God, it wasn't for me. And I told my mum and dad the same, and they were so devastated. Um, my pastor was beside himself, and my mum and dad, a few years after I had told them this, they, they told me that it was like a death in the house, like someone in the house passed away, because they just were they were just grieving over the fact that I had told them that. But at that time, I, I wanted to live my life um, and not have to worry about church. I didn't want to have to worry about that commitment. I just wanted to enjoy myself and live for the moment. I was convinced I was all right. Uh, and there's a bit of a theme development here that, you know, all the way through until this point, I had assumed that I was okay on my own steam, that I was all right. But I continued going to church because I was still under my parents' house. They made me go to church. And every week I heard God's word. And at that young age, I was only thinking about my own plans. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I wasn't thinking about anyone else. But what I didn't realise was that God had other plans besides mine, and they were totally different to my plans. And on Sunday, the 1st of May, 2005, I went along to a church service in Ballymoney Baptist, and we had a visiting speaker in that night, a man by the name of Phil James. He had come to speak in the church, and in his sermon he had three points, uh, speaking about Jesus, and In his first two points, he spoke about Jesus' willingness to die on the cross. And then in his second point, he talked about how Jesus conquered death through the resurrection. And the whole way through the sermon, I was thinking, this is no different to any other Sunday that I've been to church. I know this stuff. I've heard it preached so many times before. This is nothing new. But then the third point was about how Jesus was coming again and how he would return for his people. Only those who trusted in him, only for those who had confessed their sins and were forgiven. And for all the time that I had heard this stuff spoken about before, it had never clicked. Nothing had ever clicked. But in my mind that night, something clicked. This was now something that had become real to me. And I realised that my theme of me being all right came crashing down because I was not alright. If Jesus returns, I am not alright. I believed for so long that I was I was all good because my parents were Christians or because I went to church 
or because I was young and I didn't need to worry about this stuff. But in that moment, I knew that I was only fooling myself. And in that moment, I put my faith in Jesus and, and I was saved from my sins. And when Jesus returns for his people, I will be taken with him. Because from that day on, I was one of those people. I was forgiven. Um, and I've heard a lot of people tell their stories over the years. And a lot of people, when they tell their stories, tell it to the point at which their, their lives were changed by God. And, and when God saved them. And that's maybe whenever they would finish. Um, but this is not where I'm going to finish. Um, because if you were paying attention to the date that I mentioned, then tomorrow I will be saved 12 years. And, and that for me when it all, is when it all began. Uh, becoming a Christian and having that peace and that assurance of knowing that my sins have been removed from me and that I am made right before God is the most amazing thing that has ever happened in my life. Uh, but becoming a Christian brought about its own problems and its own challenges. Um, if people ever tell you that becoming a Christian makes your life easy, uh, don't believe a word of it. Um, because whenever the first of the problems that I discovered was whenever I went back to school and told all my friends and all my mates that I wanted to, I, had, I wanted to change, that I had changed, that I'd become a Christian. And the reaction, it didn't at all surprise me, but it didn't make it any easier to take either. Uh, they thought I was a complete and utter joke. Um, I was ridiculed and made out to be a complete fool for having put my, my faith in Jesus. And, and I was looked down upon. And school became a much more difficult and a much more um, trying place for me to be. People were, were hostile to Jesus. And I suppose that's probably a big part of why whenever I went to secondary school I, I didn't want to be recognised as a Christian because people were so hostile to Jesus and they were hostile to the people who followed Jesus and um, things haven't really changed all that much as time has went on for me if anything they've, it's maybe got worse um, and it was whenever I was in school that I found I really loved Psalm 121 and, and I leaned on that particular psalm a lot. And I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to read the whole psalm. It's not very long. It's only eight verses. Um, it goes like this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And those verses were written by King David. And although he was going through something completely different to what I was going through, these verses still point at me to God, the same way they point at him to God. They told me not to lose heart. Um, they told me not to worry or be discouraged, but to rely on God. And over time, my schoolmates came round to the fact that I wasn't that same fellow who would take God's name in vain or get in the same mischief that I used to. They noticed the change. And... I have had more opportunities than I can think to remember where people have noticed that I don't swear or that I don't make crude jokes 
and then they want to know why. They want to know why that is. And before I know it, I've told that person that I'm a Christian. And I've then shared the gospel with them. And these things don't just happen by chance. They're, they're planned by God, put in front of us by God. And, and I've learned over the years that God calls us to do things that we might never have put ourselves down for doing. He uses us in ways that we never thought that he would. Um, I've had quite an, unevent, quite an uneventful life compared to some of the other people who have shared their testimonies here. Um, I'm very blessed not to have experienced uh, the terrible things and terrible trials um, that some of the others have told us about who stood up here. Um, some might say that my life has been quite ordinary, but we see in the Bible that God uses unlikely people, plain, ordinary people, to do bigger than ordinary things, extraordinary things. Um, I have a low self-esteem and a lack of confidence, but God wasn't going to let that be an excuse for me not to do his work, not to serve him. My plan was to remain in the background, um, never do anything that would involve me standing at the front, um, and most definitely never speaking it in front of people. Um, well, as you can see, I'm standing at the front here today, so my plans again were scuppered. Um, God had planned for me to step right outside of my comfort zone, and the first thing that I helped in doing in the church in Balamoni was um, doing the chil children's work, uh, and that meant standing at the front and talking, and quite often being quite animated and full of life. Um, and this was really difficult for me to do, um, because I don't feel like I'm a natural speaker, and for someone like me who's quite monotone and broad, it was really difficult for me to step out of my comfort zone and, and be that animated person. But gradually, over time, I learned what it meant in Philippians 4, verse 13, when it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, and you're, you're maybe like me. Um, today, you, you have little to no confidence or uh, you feel like you can't do certain things. But don't doubt what God can use you for what God can do through you. Because if I was to go back 12 years ago and tell the newly saved me that God was going to use me in the children's and youth work in the church, and I, I probably would have laughed at myself. Because that is not how I would have planned things. Um, God doesn't call on special people to do his work. He calls on ordinary, everyday people those are the people God plans to use and we see that the whole way through the Bible and that's nothing's really changed today um, that's me I'm an ordinary everyday person and I'm guessing that's a lot of you as well and God has a plan for everyone and as believers God has a plan for us to build his kingdom um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we will fully understand his plan or why things happen um, and in September past last year I had a really big challenging moment as a Christian something happened that I didn't see coming at all and it came about whenever Judith and I and my brother were in Hong Kong and at that time I was in a really really good place um, Judith and I were engaged uh, we were preparing to be married in a few months and, and everything was going so well everything was going so well with the work in, in Hong Kong and to see that was amazing but one night 
um, we were out with the team at the swimming pool and we didn't have our phones with us and I got back to the flat and I noticed that I had about four or five missed phone calls um, from my mum and my sister on my phone and I straight away knew something really bad had happened and I automatically thought that it was something to do with my dad because at that time before we left for Hong Kong dad had some heart problems he had to have a few stents for it so um, my mind straight away jumped to, to my father um, and I was jumping to all sorts of conclusions um, but I didn't even come close to guessing the real reason um, behind those phone calls um, my brother Jonathan rang, rang back and got my sister um, Ruth and the news on the other side of the phone that was, was that my cousin Rebecca um, who was who was only a year older than me had taken her own life and she had committed suicide and <clears throat> getting that news was like having the floor taken from underneath me um, I was absolutely flattened and being on the other side of the world was now a really difficult place for me to be and I just wanted to be home excuse me We, we managed to get our flights changed and we flew home a day early um, to be home in time for the funeral. And I don't know if anyone's made the journey from Hong Kong to, to Northern Ireland, but it's, it's a long journey home. Um, two flights, both eight hours each and a couple of hours waiting in between those flights in the airport. And it gave me a lot of time to think, a lot of time to, to process things, to question things, to try and get things straight in my head. And that's what I mean when I say that we see God's plan unfold around us and we sometimes don't always understand why things happen. But as I questioned and I query things, I, I never came up with an answer that didn't have God in control over all that was going on. I never came up with an answer that didn't have God on the throne, sovereign over it all. And there are still questions that I don't have answers to. But I can rest assured, knowing that God knows those answers, that God holds all of that in his, in his hands. And the funeral was so painful and so raw. Um, you just you cannot prepare yourself for that sort of thing. But uh, the song that was played before I stood up... Um, this is one of the songs that was played at the funeral um, called Abide With Me and it has stuck with me ever since. Um, the word abide means continue with um, or stay and I listened to this song lots. I listened to this song on repeat after the funeral because I really felt like I needed God to continue with me and to be close to me. Uh, like everyone in the family, I was in pain at the loss of my cousin, but to know that Jesus felt our pain and knew what we're, we were feeling in the turmoil of that situation was, was such a comfort at the time and is still a comfort now. <clears throat> and the words to that song read like this. I have a home, eternal home, but for now I walk this broken world. You walked at first, you know our pain, but you show hope can rise again up from the grave. Abide with me, abide with me. 
don't let me fall and don't let go. Walk with me and never leave. Ever close, God, abide with me. And what more is there to say than that? Um, when things are going well or when things are going really bad, um, God has been, been with me through it all. When we put our trust in God, when we are Christians, then the best encouragement that we have is that God is with us. When God saves us, he doesn't just leave us on our own to fend for ourselves. He stays with us. He watches over us. He leads us and guides us. He knows us and he knows exactly what we need. Being a Christian it isn't about the big moments alone. It's the everyday walk with God that matters. Putting your faith in him for every single thing. Serving him in every single thing. Giving him the glory in those things that we don't enjoy doing, but we try our best at them anyway. I'm nearly, I'm nearly finished here, and it has been somewhat of a whistle-stop tour of my story. Um, but just as I wrap up, I want you to take something away with you. And it's not the little snippets of my story um, or some of the facts about my life. If you take anything away from me today, let it be this. The thing that's important about my story is nothing to do with the life that I have had. What's important about my story is the life that I have been given. And by that I mean salvation through Jesus. And you may be sitting here today and you've heard the Bible told to you in church. You maybe know about God and what Jesus did on the cross. And you maybe believe that is a good thing to know and learn about, and it is. But let me tell you as clearly as I can say it, you need Jesus. You need Jesus to remove the sin that covers you. Uh, and Jesus is the only way to have your sins dealt with. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you've maybe tried different things. You've tried, like I did, to pretend that you're okay. You tell yourself that you go to church and that makes you okay. You maybe know someone who's close to you, um, who's a Christian, a mother, a father, a brother, a family friend. And because they are safe from their sin and because they pray for you or because they talk to God, that that makes you okay as well. But if that is your belief, like I believed, then I am sorry to tell you that, that you're only fooling yourself. And these things alone do not make us okay. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. I had no peace in telling myself that I was okay. It was only when I put my trust in Jesus that I knew peace. It was the third point in that sermon on the 1st of May 2005 that I realised that I was not okay that I needed Jesus. If Jesus comes back with his people tomorrow or tonight, will you be counted as one of them? Let's just pray. Dear Lord and Father, we thank you, Lord, for the promise that you are coming back, for the encouragement that we have and that we can take away from that, that we can say that one day you will return. And things might be bad, things might be really tough in this world, Lord, but we know and we can take comfort in the fact that you're with us through it all. 
you're there holding us, Lord, through it all. And we only need to turn to you, Lord. We know that you're continuing with us. You stay with us through everything that this life would throw at us, Lord. We thank you for your son and for the fact that he came to die in this world, Lord God. We just pray that you would be with us, Lord, and through all of this year, through everything that we experience in life. Lord, help us to remember that, Lord, that you're with us. We pray for all these things now, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you.